the beginning of a relationship is, is always the most exciting part, right? You meet someone new and exciting and you realize that you are the lucky one who has found in the world the only perfect person. <laughs> lucky you. You know, whenever, whenever I do um, marriage prep, whenever I meet with couples preparing to be married, I always um, ask them, I always, I always share with them one of two things. That, uh, the mild version is uh, that I always say, you need to prepare yourself now uh, for a day coming in the future that is much sooner than you anticipate to wake up one morning, look to the other side of the bed and think, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> That's the mild version. The more intense version, if I feel like they can take it, is I say, um, I need to ask you a question. Have you talked about what it is you're going to do when one of you meets the person they think they should have married instead? The only mistake you can make, of course, uh, in answering that question is to think that that's a big deal. Uh, it's just not a big deal because you didn't actually marry that person, you married this person. I've been thinking about the, the relationship that Jesus had with, with the disciples as we've kind of begun this march through the Gospel of Matthew. Because, you know, when the disciples meet Jesus, it is a kind of, uh, a, in some ways, very classic kind of love at first sight story, right? Jesus comes to them and says, follow me. And they say, yes, which is insane, right? Uh, it is love at first sight kind of logic. Jesus is uh, so compelling of a person. He is doing these miracles. He's healing people. He is um, teaching in a profound way, a, a way that is kind of cutting through um, to the people. He's uh, speaking in such a way that's speaking truth to power, and, and you get the sense that even this Jesus might be a little dangerous. All of these things are attractive. And so the disciples drop everything at once, like, sure, I'll leave my entire life behind, uh, and I'll follow you. And you've just got to wonder on which of the days, which of the disciples woke up one morning and thought to themselves, I've made a huge mistake. This guy is crazy. I don't, I, I didn't even, I, it turns out I had no idea who I had decided to leave everything behind and follow. Because at this point, we're in Matthew chapter 17, and um, the disciples are a couple years in to this relationship, and all of those reasons that made Jesus so compelling um, have become a little bit more complicated on the journey, right? I mean, he's still healing people, um, that's cool, but his teaching has become kind of more and more insane, more and more kind of opaque. He's talking about fig trees, he's talking about the sign of Jonah, he's talking about tearing down the temple and being able to build it back himself in three days. Like, he's starting to say stuff that's embarrassing to them in public. You know, you hate when your partner does this. Like, 
they at one point traveled to Jesus' hometown, and it turns out that everybody in his hometown thinks he's crazy. You know, it's like there's parts of this guy's story that he buried in his past. Facebook history didn't show evidence of this. Everybody in his hometown thinks he's crazy, and it turns out that this danger, this kind of aura of danger that was surrounding Jesus is not exactly theoretical anymore. Just a couple chapters before this, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, gets killed. And so you've just got to think that somewhere along the way, the disciples woke up one morning and they thought, what was I thinking? And it is into that context that we get today's story. Uh, The story of the transfiguration. Which is to me a story about the gifts that God gives to sustain a difficult relationship. The gifts that God gives to sustain a difficult relationship. Um, I mean, based on your laughter, I know that some of you at least identify with the romantic aspects of what I'm talking about, your um, relationships with your partners. I, I wonder if you relate to it when you think about your relationship with God. Um, if you have had moments in your kind of journey of faith where you've woken up one morning and you've thought, man, I chose the wrong religion. Those Buddhists seem to be happy. <laughs> Buddhism and Christianity are not like super mutually exclusive anyways, but so that's a different sermon. Um, what, I'm, like, what happens to me on a daily basis, or on a weekly basis probably, is some dumb Christian out there says something in public and then the media ascribes that dumb thing to their Christianity, and then I feel embarrassed to be associated with that. Has that happened to anybody else before? Yeah, it's maddening. Um, I, wa- I mean, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's it. I wonder if you've experienced this just with your relationship with reality. Let's be more humble about this. Um, you know, I, I, I live with a two-year-old, and every day is magical for him. Um, And it helps it be more magical for me. But somewhere along the way, he will become acquainted with the ways in which life is actually quite hard and difficult, Um, as I have, as we have. And we need glimpses. We need little nuggets. We need gifts to sustain us on this journey. And that's what I think the story of the transfiguration is about. So Jesus brings a few of his disciples, those disciples who are really the leaders of the disciples, the people who probably need these kinds of gifts more than anything. He brings them up to the top of a mountain and he starts glowing. (laughs) What's that about? they get to see this little glimpse of glory, this this fleeting moment of proof that this person is not crazy, that this person actually is God, this person is who he says he is. There's a couple things that we could try to pull out of this moment. One is that this is just a moment of wondrous beauty. 
Um, it's, it's something that looks ordinary that starts shining. Um, it's a beauty. It's a source of life. It's, it is one of those glimpses, one of those sustaining gifts. We also see that there's this kind of collapsing of time in this moment. We get Moses and Elijah. We get this kind of heavenly shining. We get the past, the future, the present all kind of collapsed into one moment. You know those moments when, you're, when your kid makes a facial expression that actually reminds you of your parents? I'm talking about those kinds of moments. Also, it's a collapsing of kind of realities. I mean, heaven has collapsed into earth. The skies have opened up and, and the words of the, we hear the words of the Father speaking from heaven. This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We have moments like this occasionally when heaven seems to break into earth, when that reality seems to collapse into this one. Those moments when we feel like we come face up to truth or we, we actually get a taste what justice actually feels like. Truth, justice, beauty, we come up against this. And we also see the disciples are afraid. When we come up against transcendence, when we come up against truth, beauty, and justice, it is often our response that we cower in response. And what we see here is a natural response to that. We see fear, but then we see the resolution of that fear. We see Jesus say, get up, do not be afraid. We see Jesus touch them, pull them up, say, do not be afraid. This isn't the first time that God has offered his followers this kind of gift. I mean, particularly this kind of gift. Where have we seen glowing stuff before? When have we seen transfiguration before? I mean, there's nothing better, there's no better like typological interpreter of the Bible than the hymns that we sing. I mean, we just sang the answers to this, right? The burning bush, Moses' face glowing when he comes down from the mountain, the, uh, the presence of God on top of the mountain, this reading we just had from Exodus, this fire, this fiery, smoky cloud on top of the mountain. The star that led the wise men to the manger. The angels that came and sang the stars bright. God has a habit. God's habit is giving God's people little glimpses of glory to sustain them along the way in life's difficult journey, in the difficult journey of faith. So those are the four things you could pull out, kind of wondrous beauty, collapsing of time, collapsing of realities, fear, and resolution. You know, actually, church is something that's supposed to tick all of those categories also. Church is Supposed to be, even if it's not every Sunday for you, an experience of wondrous beauty. Why do you think we care so much about music in this place? Why do you think we build buildings that are taller than they actually have to be? Why do you think Christians are the only people, not the only people, but why do you think Christians are one of the people that have cared so much about architecture over the last 2,000 years? 
Coming to church is supposed to be an experience of wondrous beauty. Church is also supposed to be an experience, it is an experience of time collapsing on itself. We come and we read these scriptures that are thousands of years old. We come and we share this meal together, the same meal that Jesus shared with his disciples on the night before he died. We bring that meal into the present and we share that meal in a way that also anticipates the meal that we will share forever at the great banqueting table in heaven. This is a place where heaven collapses into earth, where we act out what forgiveness and reconciliation look like every time we say confession and then pass the peace. We act out what justice looks like every time that we do that. We act out truth every time we hear the scriptures read. doesn't have to be church. Church is supposed to be that for you. But you are supposed to, and I believe God does provide these glimpses of glory for you outside these doors as well. Of course he does. And my encouragement to you today is to just be on the lookout for them. Be on the lookout for those experiences of transcendent and wondrous beauty. Be on the lookout for those fleeting moments in which time, past, present, and future collapses on itself. Be on the lookout for heaven crashing into earth and experiences of, of justice and truth. Pay attention to when you are afraid and listen for God's calming voice. I want to do something to end this sermon that I've never done before. I want to play a song for you. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> um, I'm going to play a song for you. Uh, it's a song that I've been kind of obsessed with over the last couple months. It is a song written by, uh, by a friend of mine that lives just down the hill over here. Um, and half of their family was at the 9 o'clock this morning. They're like... <laughs> Uh, they're not here, and I don't know. Uh, anyways, I'm going to play this song. It's, 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 a, it's about this. I think I just won't keep explaining it. Is that okay? All right. I brought a speaker, a big speaker. Oh, sorry for you guys. The song is called Something Bright, Something Shining. I, our printer broke, or else I would have had the lyrics printed out for you, but just listen. Oops. Here we go.
what um, John and Valerie are, are the names of the folks who wrote that song, what they see uh, is something else that's happening in this story. Um, you may have noticed, I don't assume you all know, I've listened to this song probably a hundred times by now, but what happens in the song is there's a movement of, of the way in which um, he's tracing where the light is. Uh, it's dark in the world, and I have, I'm <laughs> holding a candle, it's fairly light. And then he traces that story a little bit, you know, where the light's been, um, led the wise men, um, sang, the, sang the sky bright, and then, and then it goes internal, and he says, give me a light to guide me from the inside, and then the last turn is, is where it really gets you, <laughs> um, where he says, make me bright, make me shining, make me right here inside me. Because the other thing that's happening in this story, the other thing that's happening every time you and I are gifted glimpses of glory is that God is showing us our destiny. You see, it's not just gifts to sustain you along the way. It's also what Jesus is showing his disciples is a picture of what they will look like in glory. what will be made wondrously beautiful, what will in themselves be a collapsing of past, present, and future, what themselves will be a collapsing of heaven and earth. It's you. You are what will be made into something bright. not just nourishment for the journey. It is a glimpse of the end. Which is nourishment for the journey. <laughs>